<laughs> it's the 2012 October Spooky Flex Fest. Halloween 1978. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I'm going to wait for him. I still think I should notify the radio and television. No. If you do that, they'll see him on every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Just tell your men to keep their mouths shut and their eyes open. I'll check back in an hour. That's better. Hi. Welcome to the Halloween Super Duper Deluxe Special Edition of Forgotten Flicks. Tonight we are talking about Halloween. The awesome, totally radical remake by Rob Zombie. You know, because quite frankly, it's so much better. Yeah, I can't even keep going with that. Hey, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get this out of the way right away. Uh, we can't even go two minutes, three minutes in. I got to get this out of the way. Just so you know, I hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor. Who doesn't? It's really, if you have a car, you have to have a sense of humor. But what if he has a boner while he's driving the car and no sense of humor? Do you think no, she, you she would have liked him then? Well, Annie was a bit of a, should I say knob polisher? Or would, <laughs> would I, should I say... Don't rip the blouse. It's expensive. I believe. Ass. I believe the exact quote in the film was, "Could suck the chrome off a trailer hitch." <laughs> am I? Am I remember? Is that a different movie? Because I that was the movie I watched. I think that was the wrong movie. Okay, <laughs> and, that was Halloween. Andy Samberg was playing Annie. Is that that was Halloweener? Halloweener. Damn it! I knew it. <laughs> well, Jason, let's get right into. It. Of course, I'm Joel, joined as always by the lovely and uh, iridescent genius Jason. That's Thank hard. God. That's, that's hard to say, by the way. Yes. We are joined tonight, Jason. It is a terrifying night, so we needed a big burly man <sighs> to protect us. And if I feel and if I feel a big meaty hand slide into the crack of my ass, <laughs> things are gonna get weird. <laughs> but only after I let it sit there for a while. Hey, we're joined by Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Hi, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> was that a nice setup, Daryl? 
Aren't you? Nice. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if this was your first time on the show, and <laughs> that's how we introduced you? <laughs> and you hear nothing. You just hear silence. We, just, ran we hear the Skype up. equivalent of a, of the, the hang up, the, a dial tone. Yep. yep. Beep boop boop. Because when Joel thinks scary Halloween night, he thinks big meaty hands between his butt crack. It makes me feel safer. I guess. I guess. Yes. So, of course, Daryl has been on numerous times. Let's go down the list, Daryl. Can you remember all the times you've been on the Forgotten Flicks podcast? I think you hold the record. Oh, uh, I know we did Superman. What did we do before? Oh, we did. Um, now, should that count as four or five? Because we talked about all those movies. <laughs> hey, what was the one we did with the alien? Uh, Trans- Transers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And almost one year ago to the day. Yep. You were in our episode for that Halloween as well in 2011. That is so true. Yeah. Remember the movies we did? We did two movies. What do we do? What do we do? Um, wow. Give you a hint. There may have been Walking Dead involved. <laughs> oh, the um, what was the name of that damn movie? Um, oh, I'm just gonna let this play out for its awkwardness. <laughs> really, Daryl? Really? I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help him out. Night of the Living Dead and the remake from 1980 something. 1990. 90. No. Whatever. <laughs> no, I'm old. I it was Star- a year ago. We're old farts. We can't remember. That I watched Star Wars. What do you expect from me? <laughs> Well, I, for one, am happy to have you on, and I honestly cannot believe it was a year ago, because it doesn't seem like it was that I long know. ago. It blows me away, too. One year. 85. Episode 85. Yeah, that's so, what it is. It's what it it's is. amazing. Someone hasn't canceled us by now. I just can't. So. <laughs> We're all... And now we- you're cursing. I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten Flicks, now with more cursing, cursing and more snark. <laughs> and we finally hit... A major, major milestone because we are actually doing the movie Halloween, John yep. Carpenter's original, 1978, on Halloween. Yeah, so yeah, that was the goal last 19. year when I thought there was five weeks in in the month. <clears throat> yeah, but, but I was wrong. Right. I thought there was five Wednesdays. I was wrong. No, there was this year though, so we're good. We taught you math this year. It took us a year. We taught you math. Yeah, you know it's good. Basic uh, addition and subtraction. <laughs> I, I will say, however. For all you true horror fans out there, we realize Halloween is not a forgotten flick, or at least I'm going to hold to that idea. But it has been remade. In fact, technically, it's been remade, and its sequel has been remade, or one of its sequels. There was like 15 sequels. Yeah. I'm talking about the fact that Zombie also made Halloween 2. Oh, yeah. 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 That wasn't Halloween 2. That was the uh, psychological... Uh, development of a deranged child. Oh my! God. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into that just a little bit. Have you seen the re- you saw the remake, Daryl? That's how I know. Okay, I I couldn't get past after he once as soon as he became an adult. I I was I'm done. I mean, I, the, I forced myself. I did it. I forced, I forced myself, myself through the kid stuff. That was the most painful part. I probably should just finish the damn movie at that point. Mm. But I digress. Because there wouldn't be an episode if I didn't say that. So, Jason, would you like to uh, have me play the trailer and maybe a little spoiler alert action? And then we'll go into one of your synopsis. This movie was a, um, about an hour and 35 minutes. I predict your synopsis will be an hour and 37 minutes. <laughs> We're shooting for 33, but now I'm going to add those a couple of minutes. Good. I hope Do so. Do it. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is the trailer for Halloween 1978. 
Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Sure, sure. sure. The only reason she babysits is to have Halloween. <laughs> okay, lady. Come on out. JV. You may know me from such podcasts as JV Mail, About 12 Minutes, and the video game Journey Down Chapter 1. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at... Netflix on DVD! Or YouTube, or VHS, and all the other turn you to forgotten flicks. Already in progress. Yet another trailer <laughs> that requires visuals. <laughs> but I'll say at least the music kicks ass. So it has that going for it. Well, and you always can find the trailer in its full glory on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We always put it up there. So, you know. Good. Yeah, and the screen is great. Yes, yes. I, although I will argue that when PJ Souls is being strangled, yeah, that doesn't sound like she's being strangled. It sounds like she's doing some strangling, but not like she well, is, in fact, being strangled. Well, that's why Annie didn't know she was hurt or not. She kept asking her. Oh, yeah, Lori, when she's on the phone, she's like, Yeah, you guys, first they get your, your famous breathing and I get your chewing. <laughs> Are you having sex? Are you just yeah. getting strangled? 
crazy guy. <laughs> Although I will say when Lori, or Jamie Lee Curtis in this case, when she does get really upset and scream, like she gets this kind of, she does this odd thing with her face. It's it's almost Jim Carrey-esque, you know, like kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of. Yeah, she got the long chin. Yeah, just, yeah. She gets very into. So, <laughs> so Jason, would you like to um, synopsize? By the way, after the show, I'm going to send you the definition again. <laughs> you know, the one episode I actually like read two sentences of the synopsis. We talked about the freaking movie for like an hour. So, <laughs> so gee, could that maybe be there's the something secret? to it? <laughs> could that be the secret? Yeah, I'm still not going to listen to you. So. Of course, good. Good, I would expect nothing He's less. He's mad. You idiot. Um, yeah, so this is pretty much the story of Michael Myers. I think uh, most people are familiar with the story of Halloween, but it uh, opens with a psychotic young boy who kills uh, his sister and is put away for 15 years, and the psychiatrist who has treated him goes to move him to another facility for his, I guess, his... Um, uh, parole hearing and then he escapes and he goes after a girl named um jamie lee curtis oh. who is actually laurie, laurie. yeah laurie strode yep um uh, goes after laurie and then some of her friends and he wears a very freaky white mask which you know we learn later is actually a captain kirk mask which we don't really learn in the movie but everybody knows from horror. i think you should have just let it out there we learn later that's a Captain Kirk mask, and that he, in um, fact, was a big Star Trek fan. He is. Uh, but he is basically the quintessential psychopathic serial killer um, terrorizing a small suburban town. Um, Donald Pleasance plays the psychiatrist who has been treating him all this time and is helping to track him down. And um, um, Charles Cyphers plays the sheriff that helps Donald Pleasance's character kind of try and figure out where he's at and track him down. But uh, that's pretty much it, because in this iteration of Halloween, we don't know much more than that. So right. That's pretty much it. Nor do we need I, to. Am I am I am I solid in that? Oh, Is that good enough. Rock solid, man. Rock there you go. solid. Synopsis oh. complete. Wow. End of line. Wow. That was actually pretty good. I I almost don't know how to respond, Daryl. I, I don't know what to say to that either. It was awesome. That yeah. Was I think great... we should spend the next 24 minutes just talking about his synopsis. Well, you know, when he started out, it was just amazing. He made me feel comfortable. See, I was a little and... nervous. I'm not going to lie, Daryl, because at first I really <laughs> felt like he was giving too much away. That <laughs> And then stopped like he did. He yeah. Just it was like it was a tease. Up. It was like a tease. Yeah, it pretty much was a tease. Much like the suspense in this film, it's you know you have a character, they walk back and forth, and lots of open spaces behind them, and oh, is Michael behind the go? Oh wait, no, just kidding. It was a, it was you know it was a little Lindsay. <laughs> no. Okay, so can I get this out of the way now? Sure. Because I figure you guys probably you know being the poor buffs that you are have a lot more to add to this. Well, we're than just I we're do. just buff, Jason. Just buff. <laughs> who, well, who, and we happen to like horror. <laughs> <laughs> and have I'm no saying? mirrors in your house, obviously. What, so, what, what? You know. no. huh? so I haven't seen this movie in nigh on 30 years. Actually, I think it's probably been about 27, 28 years since I've seen this You're movie. You're full of crap. No, I seriously haven't. Not this, the original Halloween. Have not seen it but since But I've seen the, the remake. 80s. No? 
I don't actually know if I've seen the whole remake. I think I might have clipped through pieces of it, but um, have not seen this in a long time. Obviously, the mythos of Michael Myers is huge. Plenty of other places that you see it. Mm-hmm. Plus, I've seen lots of other um, uh, sequels. I've seen the se- some of the sequels of this. Not all of them, but mm-hmm. I've seen several of the sequels. Um, and I like Jamie Lee Curtis and obviously Donald Pleasant's a, a, a classic actor. I rewatched this in its entirety by myself at night. Maximum effect. I have a right? feeling I know where this is going, but continue, Jason. <laughs> I know this is our Halloween special, and I swear to God, I am not faking this. I am not making it up. I was really disappointed. This was really a kind of a boring movie. Wow. <laughs> I, uh... I Listen, no, I know that there's a lot of history. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I I like. Okay, wait. Let me say. Okay, uh, wait. There's a, there's a line here. Okay, you you I you, didn't hate it. Okay, it you was did, not awful. You didn't let like me, it, or let me clarify. You, you didn't do anything for. You could appreciate it for what it was for its time. Blah 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 blah. Okay. But you just it didn't do anything for you. There's a big difference. Yes. No. I'm not going to go out on. I'm not going to go all the way to say it was awful. I'm mm-hmm. going to say. I like John Carpenter's style, so mm-hmm. there were elements of it I liked. The music I thought was fantastic, oh, very this, classic. So this won't completely turn into an Assault on Precinct 13 episode, is what no. you're telling me. Okay. No, this was not awful. Um, and there were definitely some creepy moments, but really it just came down to, okay, the creepy moments were all the times you saw him in the background that nobody else saw him. Mm-hmm. But as far as a like scary film... I, I thought this was scarier. And maybe this is just a cinematic nostalgia disorder moment. Maybe I'm really just thinking back to when I first saw it, scared the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. I went back into it thinking it was going to scare the bejesus out of me. And I thought, oh, this was really slow. It just felt like it was too slow. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really even build up until the very, very end. And even then, it wasn't as much as I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. So maybe it just was built up too much in my mind before I saw it. Okay. That's an interesting point. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag how I felt because I've seen it. <laughs> way more than you apparently <laughs> uh daryl as our guest let's just get all this out of the way let's get it out now guys let's hash this shit out now <laughs> daryl for you my friend yes. what did yes. you feel upon H- had you seen this within the last oh i don't know two decades unlike my uh compatriot I've here this at least once a year really I've, I've, at least once a year okay yeah it's halloween i can't i mean it this is like Michael Myers was a little bit scarier to me than um, Friday Thirteenth with uh, Jason. Jason. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, I'll give you that. I definitely agree with that. Because they, I would say for the first two, when it got into the four and the five, and he and it was a spirit and all this kind of stuff, then when it got a little crazy. But for the first two, where you, especially for the first one, where you got no reason, there was no rhyme or reason. Yep. Yeah. It, there was nothing like there was no all you heard all you saw was mask and man and breathing yep and it would like a norm like it was basically a normal day she had a normal day she was hanging out she was going to see this boy that she acted like she didn't like that her friend kind of said that she was a uh you know hot little slut and she wanted to sleep like like normal high school stuff it was yeah. nothing really big about that day. Her and boyfriend, you know, her friend is mm-hmm. sleeping with a boyfriend. Yep, yep. Drinking beer in a van. 
just nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. It's a normal day. Making, making jokes about molesting an eight-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> normal day. Normal day. A normal day. Yeah. A normal damn day. <laughs> Having carrot tops hair. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. normal day. Normal day. Okay. And normal no day. background, no explanation, yes. which I did like that nope. part of it that yes. they didn't. Have to go, but you okay, let me just interject this real quick, and then I'm gonna let Daryl finish. But I want since you said that, Jason, I I personally feel that what this movie lacked was a 45 to 55 minute backstory showing us the struggles of young Michael growing up as a sociopath. <laughs> but continue, Daryl. I agree. One day, I so, agree. one day, God, if, if we could just remake, God, if somebody could just do right. that. Set it all up for us. Let us see him as a child. Let us understand his pain and his white trash family and his hot mom and his creepy William Forsyth, you know, greasy dad or stepdad or whatever the hell he was. He was obviously diddling his sister. Yeah, all that. And his mask collection in his in his uh, psycho war. Yes, of course. Sure, that's what. Yeah, that's That's what the movie was missing. And even that. Even that, there was no reason. They looked normal, even though they were mannequins in the beginning. Like it was funny when they took the mask off after he killed his sister, and they take the mask off. They're like Michael, and they're just oh yeah, standing they just there. freeze there. Yeah, they're yeah. just frozen. Yeah, mom puts and, her hands in her pockets, and they just kind of hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like weird. all right, let's go get some milk. We have to go to the store <laughs> yeah. get some milk. Yeah. So it was just like I <laughs> could not believe. I just could not believe that, that, you know. So do you, for you personally, mm-hmm. do you still mm-hmm. find this movie scares you? It kind of does. Or or do you watch it and you have almost, and this is going to sound a little weird <laughs> for a movie about a you know mass psycho killer killing people. <laughs> a warm and fuzzy? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but in a weird way, is it more of just a... Uh, it's such a well executed movie. It's almost, you know, it's like it's like you go and like the local Kiwanis Club or something puts on the haunted house to raise money for like, you know, muscular dystrophy or something. And so they have the little for three bucks. You go to like some strip mall and you get to walk through their cardboard haunted house. And when you're really yeah, little this movie was just like no, that. I, I, let me finish my metaphor. What I was trying to say, Dick Wad, was <laughs> that if you go to one of those as like a younger person a child per se, you would get very scared. Oh, it's terrifying to you. But then maybe if you were you know, older, you go through and it might, some of the jumps might get at you, but it's not as intense, but there's this familiarity to it and it's kind of fun, you know? And then if you go, when you're much older, like with your own kids or something, you have a good time. You personally are not scared, but it kind of gives you this weird, somewhat macabre, warm, fuzzy, I guess that's the best way to put it. Is that what Halloween does for you, Daryl? Or does it actually legitimately scare you it doesn't scare me anymore but i could i can still feel that little little you know the butterflies in your stomach you because the thing that scares me about halloween the most is that i when i you know i've watched other shows now there's like a show on serial killers like every (laughs) freaking day yeah but (laughs) the scary ones are the ones where there's no reason like no rhyme or mother is not crazy the father didn't try to do anything to him they were just normal soccer moms and the dad worked at the plant for five fifty years yeah he was a boy scout well like like jeffrey dahmer right yeah i mean like there was all of a sudden yeah snap yeah there's just no reason for him to snap yeah yeah, and, and then they just go crazy. 
and and I'd have to say that the probably the scariest parts of this for me were the moments he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing right. there. Yeah, watch so, it. I don't know. His kills just weren't. I mean, well, yeah. If you could, here's the way. Here's here's the key. I think. Well, first off, to the point you were just making, Jason. To me, the, one of the best shots, maybe the best shot in the movie, my favorite shot, is that moment when Tommy Doyle looks out the window. And it's nighttime, and he looks across the street at the house that Annie's babysitting, or supposed to be babysitting Lindsay in, and he sees the shape, literally the shape of Michael Myers, the shadow against the house, just standing, and it's really creepy because you realize he's actually staring back at Tommy. He's staring at their house. It's not All like right. he's he's, you know, Tommy sees Michael peeping into the windows. No. This guy's just standing in the side yard of this house staring back at him. That's creepy. Well, and there's several times cuz it's it, it the I think well, for for me that was definitely kind of creepy. And I agree with you, Daryl. I did get butterflies a couple times seeing some of these. Um especially like when the door would be open and you'd see behind her the shape, his face in a window, and then the camera pans away and pans back, and he's not there. But you know the door is open, so you kind of get that feel. But and I don't know if this really has to do with all the other horror movies I've seen since then, or or you know the the replay of this theme, not necessarily the remake of this movie, but kind of the the idea that came after this. We've talked about this. You know, this wasn't the first, but this was one of the first bigger ones. This and had the biggest impact of the, the original slasher it, films. Absolutely. It kind of set. Yeah, it was definitely one of the few that set the genre. You know, we talked about black Christmas and a few others, but um, the, the actual events, the actual murders weren't, weren't that big of a thing, even compared to, you know, comparables of the day and comparables of the day. I compare to like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. And this one were kind of the trifecta of the early 80s for this genre for me. And those the other two, I think, had way more over the top uh, kills. This one was, you know, most of them were stranglings. Mm -hmm. So they weren't gory in this movie itself wasn't gory at all. But. It just the scary moments were his stills like the one for me that I think was the worst was actually when they're walking down the sidewalk and he's standing there by the bushes. Oh, yeah. And then he kind of steps behind the bushes mm -hmm. and the and uh, I forget her friend's name. The one with Annie. the Annie. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't Annie. Annie was the blonde. It was the other. No, one. no, 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 no. That's no. That was PJ Souls. That was Linda. Oh, that was uh, Linda. Yeah. Annie was the yeah. curly haired one. Yeah. That's right. That's right. right. She was the one that was babysitting the, the, the little girl. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When she walks over there, I mean, that was the biggest pit in the stomach for the whole movie for me was he's kind of standing there broad freaking daylight right in the middle of suburbia, right mm -hmm. behind the bushes. Because he's not no, he's not, uh, you know, some scarred up crazy guy. He looks normal. Yeah. Just. Yeah. No emotion. Well, and did you guys catch the. I guess you would just call it a film flub. At that moment when Annie, because, you know, she goes there and she goes, oh, Lori, dear, he wants to talk to you. That whole thing. If you pay close attention, that shot left of the frame. And this tells you how many times I've seen this damn movie. You see <laughs> you see cigarette smoke for like oh, really? half a second I, waft through the the frame. I swear to God. I, I played it back. I like, yeah. Yeah, if you pay attention to it, because we use your eyes are on her. But if you look just a little to the left, and that's I've seen this movie so many times at this point, I'm like watching other parts of the frame just to see <laughs> you know, other things. Okay. But but Watch yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you look if you look to the left, because that was a thing that made this movie a big deal. And I think Jason, what you're saying makes sense to a point. The difference is this movie, there was a big enough difference between 1978 making horror movies and 
even even 1980. I mean, Friday 13th was pushing the envelope for sure at that time when it came to violence. But by the time you get up to 84, you've already had, you know, three going on four. You actually four at that point. Friday 13th movies with when, you know, when Nightmare on Elm Street came out, you had, you know, the Dawn of the Dead. It came out. Now, Dawn of the Dead came out around the year after this one did. Totally different, you know, type of horror movie. Yeah. But, but I felt like with this movie, the gore and the kills weren't the point. So definitely, if that's what one oh, is yeah. looking for in a horror movie you will be gra- gravely, pun intended, disappointed. Because I t- wrote it down, 50 minutes and 30, 53 minutes, 30 seconds, mm. is the first on-screen kill after he kills his sister. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first one. That's yeah. when he kills Annie. This yeah. is the PG-13 movie, really. Well, except, for, mean, except for the I boobies. Know. I say except for the boobies. Well, with that one scene taken out, this could be a yeah. PG thirteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. By today's standards, it would probably be about a PG thirteen. Because did they even drop the f bomb? Yeah. I think no. they heard the f bomb. No. As a matter of fact, at one point, um, and I didn't look up the quote, which I I, I will look up for uh, in a minute. But they even said "dang" instead of "damn" at one point. So oh, yeah. I think it was Donald Pleasance even said it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'd have been kind of weird well, if Donald Pleasance was dropping f bombs. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it wasn't overly grotesque or vulgar or gory, but it definitely had the freak, you know, the uh, the, the freak factor. It, going is, for it. it is a creepy. It, I think it was meant to be creepy and suspenseful far but, more than it was meant to be shocking or gory or and, and <laughs> titillating. And, I, and I'm cool with that. And I'm cool. with Yeah, it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't titillating enough. But <laughs> but um, Not that. no, I, I'll agree with that. But the problem I had was that I didn't it, you know, you pointed out the first kill wasn't for an hour almost or nearly an hour. But it wasn't even that. It was just that there comes a point in some of the in, in movies. And this is not a complete knock of the movie is horrible because the filming of it, I still think, was significant. But um, it just seemed like the suspense. It really started to fizzle out when you when they dragged it out so long that it just didn't have the impact. Now the end, that whole, the end segment was the best part of the movie, but the first three quarters of it, I felt like they could have shortened that at least by half and gotten more into the evening or the night or, you know, but that whole buildup seemed like it just felt too long. And I realize, I completely realize at this point, I am second guessing John Carpenter. But, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, what's that? I mean, <laughs> but, you know, because the films I've made are so much better than what he's done. Well, I don't think you're arguing that it was a badly made movie. No, no. Um, because so many parts of it, I think, are beyond what I've seen in films today. Like, I, I, the camera work was fantastic. And I want to get into that a little bit later as well. But um, the music was great. Even the characters were were very well done. The screenplay was well done. It just seems like the story – maybe it was, again, expectations. But it seemed like it was just really slow – Slower than I remembered it being, maybe. No, mm, I, well, I, I can I can agree. I can see your point. I just, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm still looking at it through the the eyes of a child, and and <laughs> and just looking at it like because usually you know when you're when you're taught you're taught like things like bad things happen to bad people. Yeah. When you're young, you like that's all you always get told that when you're younger. Yeah, be good yeah. and you'll be okay. Right. This movie throws that all out the window. Well, to be fair, yeah. they, they do they do bad things. Yeah, Not... she smoked Mary Joanna. She smoked Mary Jane and they had premarital intercourse. 
<laughs> oh, so I guess really the lesson of today's episode, kids, Jason's inner child is dead and Daryl's is alive and kicking. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, now let me ask you this, Daryl. You, did you see Black Christmas? Have you ever seen that? Ah, a long time ago. With yeah. uh, um, um, Olivia. No, Olivia Hussey. <laughs> <laughs> and Margot Kidder. Yeah. Like I said, Olivia Hussey. <laughs> See that, I, but that I didn't have the same. It it was a slow burn as well, but that didn't yeah. get to the point of I thought, all right, come on, we need to get to some bad stuff here because that one, the kills, there were very little in that as well, and we talked about that as well. But that seemed uh, paced a little differently, maybe. Yeah, there was a different it pace. Was faster. Yeah, was and, and, yeah. And, and I think you do have to consider the time period. But I, I will. Can I can I now say how I took the movie, Jason? Yes, please. I really. I've been itching at this for a, for a while. You don't don't patronize me, Jason. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Halloween is one of the like you said quintessential horror pictures of the modern era for sure. It's it's you know you obviously have sort of the the pre modern era, which is all the Victorian Gothic, you know, spooky castles were on the moors, you know, Wolfman, <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, that kind of thing. I think. Halloween works for me as a great horror film to study. Like I really am fascinated by how Carpenter does build suspense and I could tell some things he was doing. Like I really could set, you know, figure out what he was trying to do in certain scenes. Like for instance, Annie walking back and forth to the car on paper. It's like, well, what the hell? I mean, she's what, but if you really pay attention to what he's doing, he always leaves the frame around her wide open. So she's always very close to the left or the right of the frame. And we always are tight on her as she's coming around a corner and it kind of pulls back. And in what he's doing is he's setting us up to think at any moment that gotcha is going to happen. So people are on the edge of their seats. Now in context, we're in the theater. It's 1978, you know, other than the exorcist, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you're at a drive in and a couple other pictures, probably none of them have gotten you to this degree. And I think you also have to consider the allusions to Psycho and Hitchcock in this. I mean, Sam Loomis, that's the name of uh, the boyfriend character in Psycho. Jan, you know, they one of the reasons why they were so excited to get Jamie Lee Curtis is because she was Janet Lee's daughter. I mean, there, there's all these yeah. nods to Psycho. Well, so late, what, late, what's that, well, Daryl? Late because she wasn't even their first choice. Yeah, exactly. So I think and they also wanted Christopher Lee originally to play Loomis mm-hmm. and he, he turned it down. So, so they they definitely were going for more of an old school, you know, creep show kind of thing. Yeah, I I think for people who have never seen it, people who maybe haven't seen a lot. I I think the problem is that when you have seen a lot of horror over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, especially Mm -hmm. you are desensitized. I don't mean that sense like, oh, the violence just makes it to where it's not that big a deal. Uh, I don't. I think that that's there's truth to that in the short term. Like, I think if you watch nothing but really horror, like really graphic, violent movies in the short term, you would begin much like a cop or a you know, soldier or a paramedic would get desensitized to some level to seeing that. I think when you go away from it for a while, unless there's something wrong with you, you, you almost like your sensitivity kind of builds back up to it. I've had that experience where I used to watch some gory ass stuff. I watch it now. I'm like, you know, it bugs me on a little, yeah. you know, on some level. Uh, but I think for this particular movie, I think part of the problem like you said, for you, was it definitely takes its sweet time getting there. Right. Now, I would also add, had I never seen it before, it would it would creep me out. 
it would still hold for me to creep me out. It does not, I, I have to be honest, it doesn't scare me anymore either. Like it doesn't, I've seen it so many times. It's literally like, <laughs> you know, watching a home movie at this point, maybe like in the sense that I just am so familiar with it. Like I, I can mouth the words as they're saying it. When you, when you see something that many times, the, the, the nature of this type of movie, I think, is there is an element of where the the surprise and not expecting certain things and the unknown. And even though it still deals with issues of the unknown, I know too much about it and all the subsequent sequels. And like you said earlier, all the movies that have ripped it off and the tropes yeah. and, and and it's just I'm too aware. I'm too self-aware as I'm watching it in order to enjoy it as if I had never seen it before, which I think is required in order to really be scared by it. That being, but- go ahead. But I mean, I think you you hit on a couple of things that are important because I haven't seen it in a really long time. But some of the things you mentioned still worked for me. The the idea that his camera shots, I there were so few times when Michael Myers actually appeared in the background, and there were so few times that he was actually in the shot to be part of the terror. Yeah. But there were so many times when you, as the viewer, expected him to be there. Yeah. Because of the way the camera shots were made. And I think part of that, we talked about this just in general with movies, especially movies from our generation, that so many of them feel cliche now because they're the ones that created it. They're right. the ones that sort of set that tone. And if you go back, you're like, oh, my God, but that's that's so overdone. But this was one of the you know, one of the first films. And it was not the first, but it was one of the first in my generation anyway to to go through that. And I did recognize that there were so many times when. He could have gone there and he didn't. There were so many times when they turn away. Her back is to the closed end of the shot Mm -hmm. and she's facing the open end. And you are literally tense waiting for something to jump out from that side that she's facing away from. Yeah. But nothing happens. And I'll give you a great example. When she goes out to do the laundry. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say go ahead. That whole scene. She literally Annie gets spills butter on herself. She's on the phone. They build that up. Dude, I thought the whole time I'd forgotten that scene. I thought the whole time she is getting hacked. <laughs> when that. she has her back to the to the win- to the glass yeah. door. And yeah. the door pops open like twice. Uh-huh. And then she's gonna climb out the window. And get stuck. And right. then the phone rings and it's her boyfriend, and the little girl has to answer it and go out to find her. Yep. And the whole scene ends with nothing happens. But that entire sequence, you are literally just your muscles are tense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Expecting something to happen. Well, if you really like. Go ahead, Daryl. It's like that first. You know what? It's like when you've been seeing somebody for a little bit and you know this is the date where we're going (laughs) to do it. (laughs) And you're like, but she's going to make you go through the whole movies and the dinner and, you know, the whole shebang. And you're excited the whole night. (laughs) Did you really say shebang? <laughs> I, I'm old. I know. I'm, I'm just get worse. Oh, and then and then and then when you you finally well maybe she's not gonna want to do it anymore. Yeah, because you took because you, well, you took her to see Halloween three or the remake. And you said Shabang. And you said Shabang after you took her to McDonald's. Took her to see Evil Dead. And you turn around and she's like, uh, "Aren't you coming in?" And then you're like, "Yes!" Like all the suspense was building. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. that's I, I I think you're both right, because I think what you're hitting on this is it is a horror movie in the sense that it's dealing with a true unknown. I, we've had this discussion before oh, horror. What is horror? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you get to a point where you're right, right. kind of arguing semantics. But this movie is definitely dealing with the unknown, as you guys have already stated. 
oh so eloquently shebang <laughs> and <laughs> and it really is just got this creepy uh, element to it there's a supernatural vibe to michael obviously the guy can take like 18 shots and keep getting up it is and then it's not it, yeah because i was gonna bring that up because you we've all talked about this before horror involves supernatural well it doesn't always have to involve i think it has to involve the unknown and the obviously that tends to lean towards the supernatural true but this this doesn't start out that way no this really just starts out like and if you take no other films into account because part of the difficulty is watch this movie in a vacuum not knowing anything about the future of the franchise and you know what you find out about him but this sets up like it's just a crazy guy that broke out of. You're saying by the end of the movie, you think that? No, no. I said the the starts that way. Well, but I would say, very, but, no, very... but it starts the way it starts. You can't explain why the hell a six year old boy would hack his sister up with a knife. Makes no sense. Because even no even if you sense. want to say, oh, it was a psychotic break. When the hell does even a six year old who's got some you know horrible thing like you know schizophrenia? When the hell does that happen? Like right. to that Mom's degree. Been... Mom's been snorting his Ritalin. He didn't get his meds. He's going yeah. <laughs> in a beautiful house. Like they even do. Like he even pans to show you how how nice the house is. Oh yeah, now, and that and, and, let's, and I do want to talk about it because that opening sequence was it's it, to this day is a big deal because it's one of the more flu. It's one you know long shot. The entire opening sequence. Uh, Carpenter said he was influenced by Touch of Evil, uh, the Orson Welles picture, because it also started very similarly. It was an early use of Steadicam. It had all these cool things going for it. But it's interesting because we're in the point of view of Michael right from the beginning, and we're at ground level with him. Right, of course, uh, the hands yeah. that reach out are the producer and co-writer Deborah Hills when you see him. But when you if this the kid is ones are yeah they're yeah they're her hands yeah. Oh really? Yep. And oh, wow, that's yeah. Good. I was just watching it, thinking, "Wow, I wonder what kid they got to do that." Yeah. <laughs> wow, somebody's <laughs> parents suck. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> My kid's gonna be a star. What do you want him to do? Hack up a hey, booby chick? Freaking... Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we just watched Pet Cemetery. Now you... that was pretty oh, messed up. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when when you know she. Go, goes around the house like what you're talking about Daryl did you notice that there's a very subtle thing to imply that this wasn't some stranger watching them coming in to kill them as the person we don't know who it is at this point is walking around the house one of the side windows right at eye level is why it's open the wind yeah. even the drapes are blowing out so it's like they wanted it to catch your eye because if it was an intruder why would they go out to the trouble going all the way around to the back door why wouldn't they just crawl in through a window Exactly. Yeah, you know, little subtle things like that. You probably don't even consciously think about it, but you know. And then she goes through, and or he, sorry, goes through, and you you see him put on the clown mask, and which, by the way, had the worst eye holes in the history of <laughs> Halloween masks. <laughs> yeah. So you know, goes up, kills his sister, comes back down. You know, and it's interesting because it's almost like he's running away, like he's still somewhat human at that point and i and i've always taken it as he was possessed by something like we don't need to know why we don't need to know what it's irrelevant but something happened like he had been a totally normal functioning no problem at all kid which by the way way scarier than a kid who's coming from some horrible dysfunctional family that we can explain away all his evil by oh he just had a really bad upbringing versus no this kid was totally normal and cool and fun Uh, and and consider i just had a my son just turned six so like i was like ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that is that that that's bothersome. <laughs> you know, so I think when you think about all that, when you and then we're in the eyes of the killer. Now, that was one of the knocks that this movie got 
from some critics early on was that it encouraged, you know, sadism and misogyny. And of course, it became a huge outcry uh, from mm-hmm. people that didn't like slasher films in the 80s that these movies, just, you know, you're supposed to identify with the killer. I think even though we're through his eyes at the beginning, do you feel like we identified with him? No, because no. his sister didn't tease him. She didn't yell at him. Yeah. She didn't like if she beat him. Yes. I would see that. Like, I could understand it, but they made a point of letting you, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Nothing. No, and she didn't say, she didn't even make comment about, oh, I have to be here watching my brother. She didn't make any comments about that the situation was not of her liking. I mean, that, yeah. at least you could buy. Up to the point where she whole, screamed bloody murder. But right. I mean, be- no, <laughs> even before that, there was no setup. Like you said, it could have been uh, uh, an intruder almost. It felt like yeah. it could have been somebody, but there was no reasoning behind it. And that's what made it, I think even freakier was the fact that there seemed to be nothing. And then of course, when they pulled them, he walks literally walks right up to his parents outside, still holding the butcher knife, yep. walks right up there and they just pulled the mask off. He's just standing there. Yeah. He's like catatonic. No reasoning behind it. Yeah. It's not a morality tale of I'm punishing people that have come to do bad things. Right. You know, you dirty birds. No, this was just <laughs> nothing. Yeah. With a baby face, like the the, the he had such a little baby face, yeah, like you would yeah, never yeah. think Mm-mm. he would be a killer with a nice costume on. It's a new, so they had money. Like it wasn't even that they were oh, poor. Yeah. It was nothing to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like and this nice kind of upper middle class neighborhood. You know, yeah. the suburbs. It's and all good. Everything's safe. And mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance was such an awesome actor. Oh, he was great because him talking about Michael made you more scared of Michael before you even saw him again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just think, that, just the way he built it up. Well, and I'm glad you bring movie. that up because think about it. The only time we get any information about Michael is through Dr. Loomis and it's through yeah. those little speeches. Like there's one with the nurse in the car. They have that back and forth. And then subsequently when he tells Sheriff Brackett, that little story, that exposition that like to the point you just made, Donald Pleasance delivers brilliantly that you get, this you get this vibe of this guy that it just that as far as this doctor and this is a doctor he's a you know psychiatrist yep. he's you know a very intelligent man he's probably not prone to believe you know being superstitious yet he's convinced this person is in is evil he doesn't say oh he's just disturbed oh he's no evil pure no, it's not and even simple. that just dealing with him has messed him up oh it definitely has yeah. messed him up but i think that <laughs> i think that loomis is a true believer that this individual, whatever is in him, whatever he is of, is not human. That yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't think Loomis is crazy. I think Loomis is obsessed, but I don't think he's no, no. crazy. I, and, and when I say messed up, I mean it is emotionally. Oh, definitely. You know, it is. It has scarred him beyond uh, reason. I mean, that's why when he gives that exposition, he talks about the fact that I've dealt with him for 15 years and I, you know, for the first eight, I tried to fix him. Then I, you know, you know, the next seven, I tried to keep him in it. It's clearly just in his eyes that even being in his presence, he could, he would, he would even now knowing nothing else about the franchise, he would give his life in this film just to stop it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and he seems like the kind of guy that usually in movies, in anything, TV or whatever, the psychiatrist is the one that's saying, no, we need to give, you know, we need to rehabilitate him. He yeah. needs help. 
He's yeah. not evil. And it's the other people, yes. that, you know, that are They're trying to convince the doctor. No, no. He's, yeah. And he's stupid and then he gets killed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> usually the doctor gets, is the one that gets murdered in the movie. Yeah. And that's it. And you're glad because yeah. you're like, you're stupid when they tried to tell you. Yeah. No, the doctor is the one trying to tell everybody else that this guy's coming to this town to kill you. Well, and yeah. if you think about it, Loomis is Van Helsing. I mean, that's yeah. that's basically who he is. I mean, he's Van Helsing. He's hunting yeah. this dark figure, trying to, you know, destroy this evil in the world. And he's obsessed with it and, and very righteous for, you know, for doing what he's doing. But I think it, you know, it's interesting that the whole idea of, you know, Michael as evil for death, other than Loomis referring to Michael a few times, you know, he's referred to as, you know, the boogeyman, you know, the devil's eyes, he's evil, you know, all of these sort of, you know, buzzwords to indicate that he's something more than just a guy who got loose from a sanitarium and is going on a killing spree. There's for whatever Michael's reasons are, there is something more to it. And I don't know if you caught it, but when Laurie is sitting in class staring out the window and you see Mm -hmm. the, you know, the car, yeah, that Michael's driving. Do you hear what the teacher was talking about? She was talking about fate. Yes, it was all. But if you listen to the words, yeah. even and it's almost like they're having her over enunciate those words to the. Well, you to, never see the teacher. You never see her. Yeah. And, no, and, no. yeah, and and when she talks about it, she's talking about Samuel's and somebody else. But the idea of the the personification of fate, and that yep. you know, you there's there was the idea that there was no escaping it, and and it was totally foreshadowing Lori and her Wait. situation. Yeah, and she was even – I mean she described – the teacher described it as – well, as uh, one of the authors described it as a force of nature. Yeah, and that's and all Michael Lori, is. Yeah. And she was half paying attention, and the teacher says, Lori, she says, what? She says, answer my question, and she's, that's when she describes it as a force of nature, and I thought that was kind of cool little yeah. subtlety about yeah. Michael as a force of nature yeah. and her fate. Yeah, so. yeah, and in the same way that you wouldn't, you know, yes, if a tornado ripped through your your trailer park and you were, you know, something horrible happened and or a hurricane, we know we live in Florida, so, you know, if a hurricane goes and, and levels your house or whatever, it's this horrible, horrible thing. And especially if, God forbid, somebody dies in the process. But most people don't attribute that to oh it's you know it is a storm it's you know it's a force of nature you know there's a reason why in your insurance policy the whole act of god thing you know it's just something that is completely and utterly out of your control the thing about michael is we see him in this humanoid form so we apply to that i think this idea well i mean it's a person he should you know there is right and wrong why would he do such a thing but truthfully, he's a force of nature. There is no you know, tornado just goes from house to house to house, from trailer to trailer to trailer and skips the one in the middle, you know, and it's everything around is destroyed. There's one perfectly like nothing ever happened. Well, and to Daryl's point, and one of the things I like that makes it feel that way is that there seems to be no reasoning behind any of it. Yeah. Like yeah. he has like a tornado, a, a vengeance person. This is just a happens to be focusing on one person, just like a tornado seems like it's focusing on one house. Yeah. Or one building yeah yeah but that's john carpenter like he likes to do things where he likes to to hit people in in, in tropes like they're I, all the this this middle class this 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 you oh, know yeah. middle class yeah. family yeah i'm gonna take that i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna destroy it i'm gonna you know your kid is gonna be a uh 
crazy <laughs> supernatural killer. And I can only imagine the you know the groups that were going against this movie at the time. Because you never you really have not seen, you know, these type of horror movies where this little middle class child yeah. is is the killer. And and I think the reason why modern horror works is the whole Stephen King thing. You take the normal, quote unquote, normal, safe mm-hmm. environments we take completely for granted, and then you skew the hell out of them. You know, you have something yeah. like you said. You you had this nice middle class suburban family and the cute kid, and he's a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think when you have that, dis- it's that disruption. It's like a fracture. Mm-hmm. It's like people are just going along the lines because that's ultimately what gets you afraid. And I think that's the one thing about horror movies and the reason why it's all so subjective. Oh, that movie was stupid. That wasn't scary. But this other guy over here is peeing his pants because you have to bring you first off. You bring your own history, your own context to the table. Yeah. And if you can't relate to it or if, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to you where they're going with it, it's not going to work. But that's not to say the movie's bad. It just means it doesn't work for you. So even though, like, for me, the fact that it was not particularly scary anymore, that's partly because of my, you know, knowing too much about it. And honestly, while I guess as a, you know, 30-year-old man, yes, it would creep me out if some dude was staring at us, but it probably would also piss me off if I looked out my window and saw somebody staring at my house and I might come out with a baseball bat and go, what? the fuck's your problem <laughs> you know well, and this and i think one of the things that this plays on that makes that work in this setting and maybe not as much for uh you know you or i but you know some of the things you notice in this not only is this i wouldn't even call this typical suburbia i would call this like the perfect main street usa nobody seems to lock their doors yeah. or she even you know annie was dismayed that oh the car's locked i gotta go back and get keys and everybody walks around in the dark <laughs> you know they only turn the lights on like literally everybody so it's it even takes that level of comfort all the way up to the nth degree and makes it feel that much more vulnerable. Well, they, so, they do lock their doors, Jason, is when a gr- young girl is screaming for help. Yeah, what was up with that? Well, you, you know why yeah. they did that, right? You guys know the story? No. I can't remember the exact name of the victim, but that's actually based on... They, Carpenter got that idea. It was based on a true story. Back in the 60s, there was a young woman. I, I can't remember where it was in New York somewhere. No offense, Daryl. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was somewhere in some borough in New York and she, yeah. but, but I mean, this is like, yeah, like the early sixties, it wasn't, you know, like, you know, it was like, um, it was like times square back in the, you know, the early eighties. I and mean, this was like a, a nice, you know, condo, you know, like there was apartments, it was a nice area and it was, Long Island, was it long, you know, the store I'm talking about I, where the girl, yeah, we, yeah. there was a girl who was, we she was being, yeah, she was being, she wasn't she getting raped or was going to be raped and she's screaming for help yeah. and, and everybody was just basically watched it happen in the courtyard, just sat there. Didn't do a damn thing. They taught us that in school too, in in, in psych class. What the hell? I was gonna say, what the hell kind of? Sc- I thought you were talking about like elementary school. What the hell? No, 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 no. <laughs> college. They taught us in school about how uh, you know, like a a group. How that can happen. The apathy that yeah. you could have. Like, why didn't anybody call the police? Yeah. Why anybody try to help? When a micro. I mean, I don't want to get all really, you know, heady on this, but it's a, sort of a microcosm of the Nazi thing, right? Like. Not every mm-hmm. German was a Nazi. How, you know, right. how could so many people let that happen? Well, 
because yeah. there's something in some, you know, in human nature, not always, there are people that will, you know, run up the stairs when the you know building's burning, but there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people, and and, we'll and, we, and of course, none of us think it would be us. We would, oh, I, I would do, I would, I would go until out there and happens. say, yeah, until it happens, then that's when you know. <laughs> that's when you know. Yeah, and Carpenter, like even movies, a lot of his movies, the strange person, the one that, that everybody would ostracize, who would, who would call them the bad guy in the film, winds up being a hero. Hmm. Or winds up doing the the thing that, you know, winds up doing the heroic thing. Even if he's not a hero, per se, mm-hmm. he winds up doing the most That's true. heroic thing. That's Carpenter. He he likes to, he is not a fan of the normal, of the so-called normal. No, yeah. he definitely is not. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's, and this brings me to, uh, obviously, I'm going to bring it back to my favorite uh, Carpenter flick, which is The Thing. But, you know, even, even in that, McCready's not your oh, stereotypical... No. Yeah, hero you know he's not the good guy of all good guys kind of thing he's just kind of tossed in there but um i i like that he plays that anti-establishment sort of uh role in in what you think is normal um which is you know his signature or one of his signatures i think you can make the argument that as far as heroes go loomis is the most physically unassuming like you would never look at him and think oh there's a hero all right Whereas obviously, like Snake has that you know, the eye patch, he looks like yeah, a badass. Yeah. You know, uh, the Big Trouble, Little China. You know, Jack Burton, that kind of thing. But right, right. but he's probably the least reluctant of all of Carpenter's heroes. Like he's definitely. I don't yeah. think uh, in any normal set of circumstances, this is definitely not what Loomis would be a pencil pusher you know, sitting in a, a hospital somewhere doing his rounds. But I think he is definitely the most obsessed and passionate of all. Of all of Carpenter's heroes, off the top of my head, I'm trying to. And the sheriff, like, did you did you notice how the sheriff was nowhere to be found? That the doctor, the doctor was the one that. Came oh yeah, back. yeah. He's like, yeah, doctor, I'll leave you here alone. You guard this house. Yeah. I'm gonna drive around and look yeah. at houses. For yeah, a while. exactly. Yeah, I got my rounds. I don't sit there going. I forgot. I totally forgot how <laughs> the sheriff never shows up. Well, like, it, did you also notice how the sheriff, apparently his olfactory sense is completely dead because they pull up in a car after smoking the wacky weed. <laughs> yes. They never had rolled the windows down. His daughter yeah, rolls the windows down for the first time when they pull up next to him. It should have been like a Cheech and Chong scene, man. He got a contact high. He's thinking Doritos, man. He wasn't thinking. <laughs> I'm like, he did. Do you think he smelled it? Uh, I know I thought yeah, I think the people in the back of that store could smell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carpenter does not like police very much. Oh yeah, or, yeah. Or authority, he like he's bureaucrats. A, he's, yeah, he's very anti-authority. Yeah. Very anti-authority. And yes, because they're just the most inept. Oh yeah. Uh, and idiotic. Like it's oh my god. I was like, what the hell is? Why are you the sheriff? <laughs> yeah. It was worse than Barney Fife moment. It was literally it like, was. what is he doing? And um, but that actually, I want to I want to segue for a second because that, that leads me to one of the other shot sequences that i really liked that was subtly freaky yeah. was the whole driving sequence yeah because if you're not i mean obviously you catch the fact that the whole time they're oblivious to the fact that michael myers is following them very very closely <laughs> i know there's no other cars on the road no, no stranger danger like, middle no. of nowhere i mean they're literally in this like quiet right. town you never see other cars driving around and there's someone following them half a car length away. And 
each time, each turn they make that he keeps coming in, they Carpenter could have easily had them. Oh my God, who is this jerk? Oh my God, and they were right. never once did they even notice. It no. wouldn't happen to me. It's a normal day, right? And so that freaks us out watching. Yeah, but characters in the movie have no idea. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't happen to us. Like, and why? It just makes you go, what, what, what why? What is he doing? Like, yeah. why won't he just kill her right away? Why are they making it, you know, making us go through this whole thing? Because we don't know why Michael. Yeah. No. It's just, he's just watching her, like, constantly just standing there and just watching her. He could have killed her, I don't know, any number of times. Why kill all the friends and put them strategically in yeah. places you would see them. And then I think he I think he missed on purpose too with the knife. I don't think he, he I think so too. Yeah. He had to. He had to. Yeah. He nails a guy to a wall <laughs> with a knife and he misses her without even cutting her. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I think he slit like her her sleeve and there was like a scratch on her arm. That's probably the most blood in the movie, by the way. <laughs> and yet no reason. Like why like he did all of that. Yeah. Yet no reason is given. No. Why? Okay, so I'm going to go on a limb and assume that this was on purpose, but I wanted to ask you guys this: when the the um, um, the guy pokes his head in the back door and Jason comes popping out, um, you mean Michael? I mean, I'm sorry, Michael Mike. comes popping Wrong out. Horror sorry. franchise. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, Michael comes popping out of the closet and literally nails the guy to the wall with that knife. Yes. And they close in, you know, carpet a close in shot of his feet kind of dangling there yeah. to show he's off the ground. Mm-hmm. No blood at all. Yeah, no. like, dude, he slits. He slits Andy's neck. You you saw that right in the car. He doesn't just strangle her. He yeah. cuts her neck. Oh. Well, he strangles her for a while. Yeah, but and then, then he ends up cutting her. Yeah, yeah. you see through a foggy, right. foggy glass. Which, by the way, is no, also right. the first time you see his face straight on, even though it's through foggy glass. Fifty three minutes into the movie, the first time you see him yeah. straight yeah. on. So, yeah, it's almost like the shark and Jaws. That's like the best equivalent to me. Is this movie and Jaws are very similar that way. You don't see the right. shark for like an hour in. You know, you have that opening kill and like one other thing happen, and then very little happen until the end. Yep. And, but I still find Jaws to be pretty intense. So, so why didn't they? I mean, what was was that just to keep? I it? honestly don't know what the re. I think they. I don't think he was. He was definitely not going for gore. But yeah, it was weird because like when Andy's laying on the bed, right? Now he cut her throat. I'm not saying it had to be, you know, it's crazy, you know, over the top blood everywhere. But wouldn't there be blood running down her like shirt? Like her clothes would have been stained. But like there's all this red line. It's almost like she had, you know, gone to see the mortician. She'd been drained. (laughs) Yeah, she'd been drained. There's just like a red line across her neck. And you just barely make that. It was it was kind of odd. I don't know if that was just, you know, they, they shot this in like 21 days. He had a very low budget. It was three, I think, three hundred twenty thousand dollars. And I know I've read uh, several interviews with Carpenter and other people that Dean Kundi, the guy, who went on to you know be the DP on Back to the Future and uh, Rancy the Stone and Big Trouble in China and Jurassic Park, blah blah blah. He, this was th- almost all their money went to the camera because they wanted to shoot this, you know, Panavision anamorphic widescreen. It was they shot not, this in twenty one days. Twenty one days. Yeah. And they shot an anamorphic widescreen, which requires a whole other level of technique and skill and lighting. And I mean, it's it's because obviously you got a much wider lens, and oh. and you know they they did that on purpose because that's how he was able to frame it up, you know, mm-hmm. to where you would get that effect of you know the 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 shot being wide open and could Michael be at any point? It really helped build the suspense. MD, it was a good use of money. Part of this, the the frame, yeah, yeah. But last time it I was checked, why they couldn't get anybody? Like it, it, it was why when people looked at how much they were going to get paid. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Out, 
the highest paid was uh, Pleasant. Yeah, he was only paid twenty thousand dollars to do this movie, and he did it in five wow. days. And he did it. I think he did it in five days, and they had to get all his yeah. stuff to, done in that in that time period. Yeah, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, twenty. He was the highest paid Carp- uh, carpenter to write, direct, produce, edit, mm-hmm. score the whole nine yards. Ten grand. Yep. Wow. <laughs> and even by seventy eight dollars, that wasn't much. And now he did now here's the catch catch though. Carpenter got ten percent of the profits. That movie by in today's dollars grossed over to, I think it grossed at the time. It cost three twenty to make. I want to say it grossed like forty five million. And yeah. then to the by they said when you inflate for inflation today, it's like two hundred and forty million bucks. Right. Well, it, overall, it was seventy million. They said. Oh, it was a seventy million. It's made overall. Yeah. I think. I think it, during its run in the theaters originally, it was like forty something million, thirty something, forty something, somewhere in that range. But yeah. when you, yeah, the filming dates are April nineteen seventy eight to April nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> no time. Uh, and they shot it in the spring. I knew that. They they yeah, also yeah. they had to bring in the leaves and they would have to gather them up after. Now think about it. think how many leaves were on the ground after every shot after every take. When she'd walk by with a pumpkin, they would just say, okay, cut. And they'd have a bunch of peas that would run out and scoop up <laughs> all the leaves. The leaves. Go, scoop up all the leaves that they could in the, in the bags and either move to another scene or use them to have them go back into the frame. Now, see, I didn't know that, but I de- there was a couple of scenes that I felt like the grass looked really green yeah. and the leaves looked a little placed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Somebody's throwing that from off camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, Wow. Yeah, so I mean, for what it was, I there's no compare. I mean, it was it, it definitely the especially the camera work, I thought, and the music was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, the music especially is when classic they, and timeless. They played the classic. You know what? I wonder because he wanted this to be. He was. It was a homage to Alfred Hitchcock. Uh-huh. I wonder if that's why there was no gore. I think you're right. I think that makes perfect yeah. sense. I, I could buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, and I know that uh, actually a quote that was in the Deborah Hill and I had it here that she was talking about the writing of the movie because she wrote most of the uh, girl talk, the dialogue. Apparently, Carpenter had a hard time with that. Imagine <laughs> <So> <laughs> he, he, he focused on Loomis. She focused on the teenage girls. So, right. But she said that the idea totally. was yeah, totally, totally yeah. <laughs> the idea you wanted was, her to die. You wanted her to die after the 28th time she said totally. Yeah, that was getting a little yeah. old. Uh, Deborah Hill had said that the idea was that you couldn't kill evil. And that was how we came about the story. We went back to the old idea of Sam Hain that Halloween yeah. was the night before all the souls are let out to wreak uh, havoc on the living. And then came up with a story about the most evil kid who ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret of someone who once lived there. And now that evil has come back. That's what made Halloween work. But here's the key. That's that's about as deep as they went into it. They didn't go, you know. I think it was an episode or uh, part five, the Revenge of Michael Myers, where you know that's when you first get the taste of. There's this man in black who's got this like symbol on his arm, and then of course by the time you get up to six, it was you know he was a product of some kind of cult, a pagan cult that is whatever. Actually, he was a good guy. It, what they said was I, when I was reading up on it, because I've so long since I say that movie since the five and six. Oh yeah. See when they came it out. It was every a certain amount of time a person had to kill their whole family uh, line, like they had to end their family line, or else evil will be released upon the world. See, that makes it even dumber. Yeah, because you're and trying that, to draw, you're trying to create some kind of moral equivalence. You're trying to say it's okay to kill human beings, but you know because because there's this big monster. Now, of course, granted, I realize that's a 
certain theme in a certain horror movie that just came out that I really liked. But that's not the point. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it? Because uh, I don't remember the story of the sequels and everything. But doesn't it turn out that Laurie is his sister in some yes. way? Yes. Spoiler you alert. You get that in two. Yes, it was his baby sister. Right. Oh, okay. Because in this, as a standalone, yeah. I was thinking I thought that, but they never allude to that in any way. Well, in part two is supposed that to happen. Yeah, in part two came out, what was it, uh, Daryl? Was it 81? I or 83? So. It was 81 or 83. I think it was 80. No, maybe it was 83. Maybe? So, so, so look that up. Cause I don't... Hold on, hold on. Because 81. It was an 81? Okay. But, yeah, but okay. this it takes place in the same night. Right. So Halloween 2 is actually, they take Lori from the scene of the crime in part one to the hospital, and then the rest of it takes place at the hospital. Actually, minutes after, because yeah. it, it, it begins with the doctor looking again, running downstairs to yeah. look. Yeah. Because he, he, he was gone when he shot him six times. Yeah. So you see that, and then it shoots to them taking her away. And, yep. Oh, really? So it literally almost instantaneously yes, picks, picks up, instantaneously yep. picks up yep. the first one. You could watch huh. the back-to-back, and it would be as theoretically like it's the same night. Yep. But that's where they kind of come out and give a little bit more. But in the in the beginning, they don't explain any of that. It's just, you know, of... some evil comes in. But... Yep. She's just picked. Like, that's that's it. I mean, which made it so much scarier that he just picked this one girl. This well, one regular girl. So the I, only the only Easter eggs I caught in this, you guys being the experts have to help me out. The only Easter eggs I caught were um, uh, the fact that they were playing the original The Thing. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> on uh, the, 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 the movie uh, on the TV screen, and they were playing that, which I know you mentioned it when we did our um, Thing episode. And even I think we talked about it in uh, one of our Spooky Flicks Fest episodes this year. Yeah. The fact that Carpenter was such a big fan of that movie and – this came out before that and he was hoping to be able to remake it. So, um, that kind of played, but, um, uh, Charles Cyphers played the yep. uh, sheriff. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Arthur Mallet played the gravekeeper and he was, you know, he's been in a bunch of movies since Boy, Charles Cyphers was in a bunch of early carpenter stuff too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff. He was in, um, uh, escape from New York. He was secretary of state and he yeah. was in assault in precinct 13. He played a cop in that. Yeah. Yeah, he uses a lot of a lot of the same actors. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and then I watched this, and I, I, uh, PJ Souls who played um, Linda. I forget Linda. Linda. Yeah, right. The the hussy, the drunk hussy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was watching this movie, and I kept looking at her, thinking, I know her from somewhere, and don't laugh. But the part where she kind of goes topless, I'm like, oh, I know her. <laughs> she was in Stripes. <laughs> <laughs> Instant recognition. Yes, because that was her topless scene uh, in Stripes when she and Bill Murray were kind of hooking up. But yeah, so but, I remember well. <laughs> but anyway, so were there any other good Easter eggs? Because I I didn't you, really kind of do my. Do you know who the, who played the little girl, Lindsay? Do you recognize no. her, Daryl? No, I didn't recognize her. No. Well, there's an the one who was uh, who had the go-go boots on. The little, the, little, the little brown-haired girl, like she's eight or nine. The one who's yeah. friends with Tommy Doyle. The one who ran out to the laundry room to yes. get yep. Yes, her. Yes. Same kid. Yep. yep. She, was no, wearing go- she was wearing go-go boots? What the hell yeah, kind of family like 60s, was this? No, they were like 60s high black boots that, I mean, 
it just looked weird. I don't know. I thought but, it was like yeah. like yeah. stockings or something. They were boots. I they were those socks. That, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, she's a little girl. What the hell, man? What are you watching? Yeah, wow. It was Halloweeny. I Halloweener. Halloweener. Sorry. No, that was uh, Kyle. I think it's Kyle Richards. She is the sister. Yeah. Of Kim Richards, who was the little girl in Assault on Precinct 13, they get shot. Spoiler alert. Oh, really? And she was in, remember Watcher in the Woods? She was the little sister in Watcher in the Woods. Uh, God, it has been forever since I've seen that yep. one. I don't even remember it. And she is the aunt of Paris Hilton. I was going to say aunt of the of another evil. Oh. <laughs> of another, uh, I thought you were going to say hussy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say un undying evil. Yeah, but I was gonna look at that. <laughs> it was unleashed on the world. Yes. You see what happens. Yep. See the whole family. See. Evil so, comes. so so that is who that was. And I, I looked up the kid who played Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Who you knew they were scraping the bottom of the barrel in the series when I believe it was part six, where they actually had I think it was Paul Rudd. Wasn't it Paul Rudd in that? It was like one of his earlier pictures prior to him realizing he had a much bigger career in comedy than horror yeah so, somebody looked that up i think it was paul rudd that was tommy doyle in uh halloween six in six yeah i think it's the curse of michael myers i could be but wrong who but played, who played tommy in this one well see that i don't remember uh, offhand i don't know his name but the kid who did his last movie he was in jason three o'clock high brian andrews that played tommy in this brian andrews yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was he, in Three O'clock High. That was on his yeah, IMDb credits. This is his last movie he was in. He played a nerdy kid. It's a, just like nerd or something to that effect. So it makes me want to go back and look and figure out which one he was. See, yeah, really. Like see him and take a picture of it or something. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Um. Well, what year would? Uh... Ninety five. Are you talking about Halloween Six? It's ninety five. Yeah. God, it's pathetic. Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah, he was Tommy Doyle. Ah, score. Go me. What up? That's I sad that I'm proud of that. Yeah, that is very, very <laughs> sad. <laughs> oh, my See, God. Parents are proud. Yeah. Wow. No, they're really not. So no. it's, a, <laughs> it's a deep, dark sadness. So speak, deep, speaking of deep, dark sadnesses, uh, gentlemen, you ready to do your movie picks? Yes. I, yes. Pick a movie? Damn it. I, 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 I meant to warn you, Jay. I'm sorry. I forgot. Tell me next time. So I Darryl, want to go first. Oh, no, I want me. you to go first, Daryl, because you okay. are our guest, and we are nothing if not generous to our guests. Okay. <laughs> All right. This had the longest fight scene ever. They Halloween? Lived. <laughs> oh, they lived. oh, they lived. Good good one, man. Uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. Yes. Stick him with, stick him with the carpenter theme. Put the glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> and that was such a long fight. I mean, I, I watched it. I, they Live came on like at three in the morning one time I woke up and it came to that fight scene. And I think I forgot how long it was. You were with South Park spoof that. I think they had. Oh. Was it? Um, who's was it? I, it wasn't Timmy. It was. It wasn't him. <laughs> it was. Uh, you did oh. too well. Yeah, what was the what was the kid who had like the, the little crutches on his arms? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Vollmer. Oh yeah, Jimmy. That was yeah. Yeah, but who's the kid with the crutches? He didn't. He wasn't the Jimmy. No, no, it no. was Jimmy. He was the comedian with the. He's the comedian with the s- s- stutter. Yeah. Okay. I think he's the Jimmy. one that they had fight somebody. But I remember that there was like this. It was like shot for shot. They recreated the entire fight. It's they like really? seven minutes long. Yes. <laughs> uh, no. Oh. But 
<laughs> and it, and it was another movie going. It goes against all of the uh, society. It goes against um, authority. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. Like authority. Yeah. You have to fight authority. Yeah, you and, fight and, it, you can't and of course, it has complacent. the great Keith David in it, who I always get his name confused with David Keith, who was the dad in Firestarter. For some reason, they look nothing alike, but I always the name that throws I me. I saw him, by the way. Who? Was at Comic-Con. Who? Keith David or David Keith? David Keith. The he white guy? Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to clarify. He was pretending that he was. I don't know what he was pretending, but he was walking around. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't I don't know what movie he's doing now, but he was walking around Comic-Con. What was he pretending? He looks he was pre- the same. He was pretending to do something. What was he pretending to do? I don't know. He was just walking around like they had like a little camera crew around him. So it felt like he was doing a movie about doing a movie. <laughs> it felt like I'm wondering if it's one of those low, you know, those little indie things where they. OK. Yeah. David I, Keith goes to Comic-Con. See how. OK, we have to since we're all on the East Coast. There we go, Jason. That's our that's our way into Comic-Con. Daryl. We need to do a movie. No, Daryl. Oh. <laughs> see, Darryl, see how highly we think of you. We think you are into getting into Comic Con. You're our ticket, or getting brother. there, <laughs> getting there, getting in. Uh, if, you're, if I'm the ticket to get in, that's it. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, you you uh, making the connection with Roddy Piper. Um, I just got, I just bought, uh, I found it on sale. Goonies, um, uh, the DVD, and it had the um, Goonies are good enough uh, um, music video with Cyndi Lauper at the beginning. And of course, yeah. it's really just one big long WWF trailer in the. Yeah, it's like a commercial sure. for the right. new toy line. Every great wrestler from the '80s was in it, but even Roddy Roddy Piper was in that in his kilt and with his glasses, and you just good memories. <laughs> you, you know what? I'll always remember Roddy Piper for Body Slam. Do you remember that movie? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't remember it. It also starred Dirk Benedict, a.k.a. Face Man from A-Team. Oh, my. God, <laughs> uh, no. We have to do that one. That one will be That'll yes. be one to revisit. <laughs> to <that>. Truly <laughs> forgotten, yes. <laughs> Tanya Roberts. Yeah, Tanya Roberts. <laughs> oh. Oh, my good. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys have to do this. Yes, it was a classic. Yes, I love They Live as well, Daryl, so that was an excellent pick, and, uh, you know, any movie that has the line I've come here I've come here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum <laughs> I'm all out of bubblegum <laughs> you know is wonderful how many assholes have used that oh <laughs> wait a minute what, what that makes you an asshole if you use that oh pretty much note to self <laughs> Jason my friend uh. mi compadre mi amigo <laughs> Yeah, so this was a tough one for me because there was a lot of low-hanging fruit uh, to grasp. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, me too, actually. <laughs> I swear I looked through this and I'm like, okay, uh, we've talked a lot of Carpenter, both for the music, because I I like to pick the people who've done the music, but um, he was fantastic. And this is definitely probably my number one pick for the film score uh, for horror films of all time. Um, but not only that, Dean Kundi was the DP who has done some amazing stuff, even up some of my favorite films, Back to Future, Jurassic Park. Death Becomes uh, Her. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he did The Thing, you know, so uh, just some amazing stuff. And and really, it made me realize as I'm looking through Kundi's uh, uh, repertoire here, we pretty much have just covered his, his films. <laughs> so, so he may be our record for a person who's... <laughs> 
Uh, he is the running uh, uh, connection between all of our films because literally he's a lot of movies we've done. Huh. He was the DP for. So we've got to figure out a way to get him on, uh, get him on the show for something. So as I looked through, I thought, all right, what's a movie of his that I really liked, but we haven't covered and is, and is sort of forgotten. I know you're probably going to make fun of me because it's not exactly. Well, a that's, a guarantee, that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. But I went with Project X. <sighs> You Good night, ladies that? and gentlemen. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> and he has such a long lead up. Like you're thinking it's going to be something. Really I don't, yeah. I mean, I at least figured who framed Roger Rabbit. Cause I know Cooney did that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pick one we hadn't covered and wasn't a, uh, uh, it was, this is kind of a forgotten flicks to me. So I haven't seen this in a really, really long time, but Matthew Broderick, <laughs> Helen Hunt, um, it's from 1987. So it's an eighties flick, but, uh, it's the story of the the chimpanzee that's been trained for military, and you know it's it's kind of the feel good thing. And Helen Hunt's the lady who uh, taught the chimp uh, sign language in the beginning, and um, so I haven't seen it in a really long time. But I didn't. Yeah, know that's he the had... movie where they expose the chimps to radiation and kill them slowly, right, Jason? <laughs> See, it's close to Halloween. It's 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 kind of there. <laughs> good pick, Jason. Way to bring so, down the show. Thanks for that. I love Matthew Broderick. What can I say? Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> Did you love him in Godzilla? Uh, <laughs> him or the movie? Pretty much every frame of celluloid in that movie. Yeah. Everything. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I, I He was the best part of that movie, if that's the best comment compliment I can give it. <laughs> but... Uh, being a worm scientist uh, just didn't help his case any. Really? Yeah. Hmm, weird. Good pick, he said with <laughs> quote fingers. <laughs> yeah, so what's your smart ass? <laughs> oh, mine's uh, going to probably get made fun of you more, but at least mine's horror, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to stay true <laughs> to, you know, the spooky flicks thing. So, nice try. Yeah. So what I did is, and it's funny, Daryl, because you kind of mocked my pick early on, but I didn't, I didn't give you a tell. I was proud of myself. Is this the payoff? As Mr. Uh, Piles would say? Yes. No, his payoff was far better than mine. He gave like <laughs> yeah. this whole story about some guy farting next to him. It smelled like popcorn. I'm giving you... <laughs> Daryl made a crack on my movie. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. <laughs> okay. My pick is from 1988. It is also a Halloween movie. Literally. It's from the franchise. I picked... I was going between Halloween 3 and 4. Because I think three gets a bad rap, quite frankly. I, I think it, it obviously has nothing to do with Michael Myers. And if that's what you go in expecting, you're going to be really disappointed. But I decided instead to go with one that I realized may be complete C&D. I don't give a shake. I picked Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. And I did so for a couple reasons. One, because it takes place... It, it, acts as if three never happened and it bridges one and two since they're the same night. It's 10 years later to the year of when the first two films happen. It was the movie that I sort of got introduced to Halloween on. Cause I believe I saw it before I ever saw the first two. The original. Yeah. And actually I remember like when my first, I was in seventh grade, maybe like, I think it was, yeah, I think it was seventh grade. It was one of the first Fangoria's that I ever was able to get. And I'll never forget child's play had come out and Chucky was on the cover no, I take it back. The chick from Lair of the White Worm. Yeah, there was Lair of the White Worm. She was on the cover. It had a spread on uh, Child's Play and Halloween 4. And for some reason, 
I remember sitting in math class, not paying attention to Mrs. Hemingway, and which is interesting because she was teaching math, not English, and <laughs> and reading that instead. And, and for so I was all excited about seeing that movie. What I like about Halloween 4, and I haven't seen it in several years, but like the first one, and maybe even more than the first one, it feels like fall. Like, especially the opening, it's like the slow buildup of, of shots and everything's, you know, die, you know, everything's dead and brown and just kind of the, the leaves are all in the ground and it, it feels cold and like, like it's cool and, and it feels like fall. Also, it's got Donald Pleasance is like front and center. He is the main dude. Laurie Strode is nowhere to be seen. The, the story follows a girl that is supposed to be, as we learn, her daughter. Uh, it's played by uh, Danielle Harris, who has grown up rather nicely, I might point out. <laughs> she plays young Jamie Lloyd. She, it turns out her real parents were Jamie Lee. And I'm guessing it was supposed to be Lance Guess, uh, the paramedic in Halloween two. And they are supposedly deceased. And she's in, you know, lives with his family as a foster kid. Long story short, Michael, again, the whole, I guess, killing the bloodline comes after her and she's young. I mean, she's maybe 10 years old, 11 years old, I'm guessing. And, and and it's got some good scares. Jason, have you seen four or has it been a long time? I I don't recall seeing four. I no. actually think based on your argument for what you weren't crazy about with the original Halloween, you might like four more because a lot more happens. There's a lot more like now, you said that this one acts like three never happened. Yes. Three is a not. And most of the Halloween movies, the ones that are all have to do with Michael Myers do not acknowledge three as existing. What what happens in three? Well, three is the one where the um, oh, what's his name? The guy who played um, in the fog and Night of the Creeps, and I'm brain farting. Oh shit! Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I want to say Watkins, but that's not right. You know what I'm talking about, right? God, dog, I'm have to look it up. I'm confessing, people. I'm looking up the guy. Uh, Halloween three season. John of, Houseman. No, Halloween three season of the bitch. Hold on. Nope. What? Whoa. What? what? <laughs> no, I meant witch. Bitter much? No, I said witch. I'm what? sorry. <laughs> Halloween three. I always want to call him Michael Huntsacker because that was his name in Lethal Weapon, and I know that's not right. All right, hold on. Halloween. I'm finding it. I'm finding it. Why is it <laughs> Halloween three is so unpopular that it doesn't even get included with the other Halloweens in IMDb's listing of movies? Okay, uh, Tom Atkins, yeah, it's, not it's Watkins. Not... Atkins. Dang it! I was like the diet. Okay. Uh, yes, he plays a doctor who ends up investigating this toy factory. They're making Halloween masks. Well, as it turns out, it's a big conspiracy. And this one actually does get a little bit more into the whole Sam Hain, you know, supernatural force of evil. They want all these kids to watch this channel during Halloween night, put on their masks, and it's essentially going to melt their faces off and kill everybody. But it had nothing to do with None. Michael Myers. The only Myers. reference to Michael Myers at all is there's one scene where Tom Atkins' character is in a bar, and he on the TV above the bar is a is Halloween one playing. It's Michael coming down the stairs after Laurie Strode. That's the only reference at all. But every other movie in the franchise it has to do with Michael. Uh, yeah. Yep. What the hell happened? <laughs> they they wanted to try. Well, originally, I think the idea, Daryl, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was they were going to take the series in this whole different direction. Every year, they were gonna, kind of like what they do with the Saw movies and Paranormal Activity now. They were going to have a different type of Halloween movie, though, all oh, based around that theme that would come out every year. Okay. Yeah, and that it didn't it didn't work. Yeah, season people. three, it, yeah, it, it tanked horribly. Like it didn't make any money. It was a bomb. It's really not a bad movie. It's very entertaining. It's different. No, it, it's spooky as hell. I yeah, mean, it is. It's creepy. It's kids' heads. Like I remember when I saw it the first time I saw it. 
to have mask on and then the music plays and then a one more day to halloween 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 one more day to halloween silver shamrock and they're mass producing that to a whole bunch of kids i mean yeah and if it doesn't freak you out that song will drive you so insane and then you won't get it out of your head for days you really won't yeah it's wonderful but so my pick though was halloween four Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, gentlemen, let's wrap it up because Grooms is going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm all scared. Now I'm going to have to turn the lights yes. on. <laughs> would you, w- between the w- pillows. W- w- I want to go watch the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> that scares me too. Yeah. What, Jason, would you like to say to wrap this bad boy up with a little, little contact info real quick? Uh, <laughs> if you're still listening to the show after a month of Spooky Flicks Fest, uh, by all means, check us out online. We've got some amazing stuff still up from the from this month and more at ForgottenFlicks.com. You can check us out on Facebook. Um, we have Forgotten Flicks. Um, the episodes come up on our uh, fan page. You can also join us in our group discussions. And then you can uh, contact both of us either on Twitter at Flicks sidekick for me and at forgotten flicks for Joel. And of course, all those flicks are with an X. Um, and then of course you can email us Joel at forgotten flicks or Jason at forgotten flicks and, uh, iTunes. Don't forget to go to iTunes and rate it. If you're going to give us a five, otherwise don't go there. <laughs> That's why no one goes there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you, my friend have some thanks to do. Yes, I do. I give thanks around here, people, believe it or not. I would like to thank Thanksgiving's our next holiday. So Oh indeed, it actually is. And we're I, gonna cover Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh God help us. Nice. <laughs> We'd like to thank JV, JVmail.com for the always awesome spoiler alerts, and our buddy Kevin the Man Spencer for the always awesome show art at inkspatters.com. And of course, we also have to thank, even though I didn't play it at the very beginning. But Midnight Syndicate, again, for letting us uh, use their music for our earlier uh, endeavors. And, All of our episodes uh, this month. Fantastic. Yes, yes. And so thank you to them. And, of course, thank you to the one and only, the man who, after this episode, will still more than likely retain the record for being on the longest episode of Forgotten Flicks ever. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, the man, Taylor. You want to tell them where they can find you, Daryl? <laughs> uh, yes, you can uh, go to my website. It's the Taylor Network wordpress.com the taylor network dot wordpress.com and you can check out all the podcasts if you're in the movies you might be in the tv and we have a podcast called nothing's on that uh we basically uh pick some shows and we talk about the good the bad and all that good stuff good and we're on stitcher stitcher radio yeah now. yep excellent on we are too, but we never mention it for some reason. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, gentlemen. So on that note, any final words? Yeah, I really need to get myself a, a Captain Kirk mask because that would just be the best Halloween costume ever. You know, it's yeah. Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? 